Welcome to the Cork Church Podcast. We are so glad that you're joining us today. We hope that this message inspires you, builds your faith, and encourages you in the things of the Lord. Enjoy the message. Well, this, mo- this morning, folks, I want to bring a word to you, and it's called, I've called it The Equalizer. The Equalizer. Does anybody remember that TV show? Yeah, you remember it with Robert McCall, The Equalizer, right? Danzel Washington, he's The Equalizer now. But back in the day, um, there was a TV show about a guy called The Equalizer. And so I've called this message The Equalizer. And if you're familiar with the TV show, maybe you sort of, you might have some sense of where I might be going this morning. But uh, I'd like to start reading uh, with you from 1 Samuel uh, verse, uh, chapter 30. Uh, it's only five verses I'm going to be preaching from this morning, but if you have your Bibles, turn to 1 Samuel chapter 30. And as you're turning there, I want to give you a little bit of context. Um, the Bible tells us that at this point in the life of David, he was working for a Philistine king called Achish. He'd become his bodyguard. And Achish, as a uh, point of reward, had given David a stronghold called Ziklag. Now, uh, when we read earlier on in the passage, we see that Ziklag had been raided by the Amalekites. The place had been destroyed, razed, burnt to the ground. Both of David's wives had been taken, stolen, um, brought captive by the Amalekites back to their camp. Everything had been taken, and not just David's wives and children, but in all, all, all David's men, all that was theirs had been taken by the enemy. This was a low point in David's life. This was a dark time in David's life. Everything was gone. And so the Bible says that the men wanted to stone David, but David strengthened himself in the Lord. Hallelujah. Come on now. We need to strengthen ourselves in the Lord. When things go dark, when we experience loss, our strength is in the Lord of hosts. Amen. When we go through difficulties, when people turn against us, our strength is in Jesus. Amen. That's where we strengthen ourselves. So the Bible says that David strengthened himself in the Lord and he got a word from God. He asked the Lord, Lord, should I go and should I, should I, should I, should I uh, attack the Amalekites and should I try and recover what was lost. And God gave him this wonderful word. He said, go, pursue, you'll overtake and you'll recapture everything that was lost. And so the Bible says that's exactly what happened. Now, David went with 600 men, but 200, the Bible says in verse 10 of 1 Samuel 30, were too exhausted to go across the the brook called Bezor and enter into the battle. So they stayed behind by the baggage. And so David comes back victorious. And I'm going to start here in verse, um, let's go from verse 18. David recovered all that the Amalekites had taken and David rescued his two wives. Nothing was missing, whether small or great, sons or daughters, spoil or anything that had been taken. David brought back all. What an amazing picture of Christ. What amazing, an amazing picture of the gospel that God would go and, and storm the enemy camp and bring back all that we've lost. Well, David, verse 30, also captured the flocks and herds 
and the people drove the livestock before him. And he said, this is David's spoil. Look at verse 21. This is really where we're going to pick up this morning. Then David came to the 200 men who'd been too exhausted to follow David and who had been left by the brook Bezor. And And they went out to meet David and to meet the people who were with him. And when David came near to the people, he greeted them. Then all the wicked and worthless fellows among the men who had gone with David said, because they did not go with us, we will not give them any of the spoil that we have recovered, except that each man may lead away his wife and children and depart. But David said, you shall not do so, my brothers, with what the Lord has given us. He has preserved us and given uh, into our hands the band that came against us. Who would listen to you in this matter? For as his share, who is, uh, excuse me, who would listen to you in this matter? For as his share is, who goes down into the battle, so shall his share be, who stays by the baggage. They shall share alike. Hallelujah. And, and he made it a statute and a rule for Israel from that day forward to this day. Hallelujah. Anybody a fan of the Brady Bunch? Remember the Brady Bunch, yeah? Carol Brady and the husband whose name I always forget. Remember that? Can anyone remember the most sort of famous line from the Brady Bunch? Do you remember it? It's a line from Jan, the middle Brady daughter. And it's Marsha, Marsha, Marsha. You remember that? Marsha, Marsha, Marsha. Okay, so Marsha was the perfect sister. Marsha was the sister who got everything right. Marsha was the sister, the favorite, if you like. And Jan sort of felt like she was in her shadow. So there's an episode of the Brady Bunch called In My Sister's Shadow. And in the episode, Joyce, you know, do you remember the episode? In the episode, Jan gets so sick of all of Marsha's victories and accomplishments that she steals all Marsha's awards and hides them in a closet. She's sick of looking at them. She's sick of looking at the perfection of her sister, so she hides all the rewards. And her parents, the, uh, Bob and Carol here, the, the girls fighting, and they call Jan down to talk to her. And Jan opens up about how she's sick of living in her sister's shadow, about how she'll never measure up to her sister and all her achievements and all her victories. Jan was just a mere mortal. And it's at that point she utters the famous line, Marsha, Marsha, Marsha. Everything is about Marsha. It's a funny thing, isn't it? Right? No, it's funny. Actually, what's funny is just as she's opening up and complaining to her parents, Marsha bursts through the, into the living room and says, I've just been made the editor of the school newspaper. So yet another accomplishment, right? <laughs> but it's a funny thing, isn't it? When, when achievement culture gets into a household, when performance starts being um, a part of a household, when, when people start being measured by what they do well, by their victories and accomplishments, right? And when people start to derive value from their accomplishments, it's never a good thing. Achievement culture 
has no place in the house of God. None. Amen? Right. So we have a culture in the house of God, and it can't be a culture based on personal individual victories. It's got to be a culture built around one victory. Amen? The culture here, we cannot be defined by our victories any more than our failures. Hallelujah. Our definition has to come from one victory, the victory of Jesus. Glory to God. He's the victor. There's one victory. One victor can define who I am. I derive my value from him and him alone. You ever feel like Jan? You ever feel like Jan? Standing in the shadow of a brother or sister's accomplishments. Now I'll never be like that person. They've got it all together. I'll never be like that person. They just seem to win. Perfect, perfect family. <laughs> Ain't no such thing as a perfect family. Perfect kids. Ain't no such thing as a perfect kid. Everything's perfect. And I'm barely holding on. I'm barely, I'm barely able to go on. I want to talk to you today about, I want to talk to two sets of people today, if you like. Maybe you're feeling like a failure this morning. Maybe there are battles in your life that have escaped you. You've not been able, maybe maybe it's just the strength to stir up and fight. It's, It's just escaped you. And beyond that, maybe you feel like you've lost things because you have lost the strength to keep fighting for them. Amen? And I also want to talk to you today if you're feeling like a success, if you're feeling like a marsha, if everything's gone right. I want to talk to you as well. I want to show you something, um, something wonderful of the victory of Christ here in this passage. Uh, I've got four sort of points. We're going to just walk through the verses. I want to tell you this morning that there's comfort in failure. I also want to tell you that there is danger in success. And I want to tell you that we need to let grace be grace. And then I want to tell you that there is an identity that God has given us in the gospel that frees us from performance-based Christianity. Hallelujah. Let's get on with it. Let's get on with it. Let's go. Here we go. Verse 21. There is comfort in failure. Then David came to the 200 men who'd been too exhausted to follow him. Come on now. Too exhausted to fight. Too exhausted to go on. Too exhausted to go another round. Too tired to make it another day in the same situation. Too tired for another confrontation with that spouse or that boss or that teenager. Too tired to stir up the the faith to believe for another fight. David came back to meet them. And the Bible says in one translation, he met them cheerfully and joyfully. He approached them and he asked them how they were. Let's go. Listen, some battles escape us. Sometimes we just can't muster the faith to fight another round. Have you been there? Sometimes you just can't find the strength for another confrontation. Sometimes you just lose your temper. You do, you lose your temper. Sometimes you say the wrong thing. 
Sometimes you get it wrong. We are but dust. Sometimes we fall behind. Sometimes we just aren't in victory. Amen? Sometimes we're not. But until we can understand, we can't understand the grace of God until we understand that there's space for our weakness in the gospel. There is. There is. Sometimes we're just not in victory. And you know, I think about these men. Too tired to go ahead. That's one in three of the men that David set out with couldn't go ahead. They must have thought that they'd let him down. They must have thought that they'd dropped the ball. You ever felt that way? You ever felt like you've, you've let God down? You've ever felt that sort of dejection? This is the problem with failures, folks. They have the power to go to our hearts. Failure has the power to touch our hearts. It, it Really, it does. But I want you to know something. I'm going to actually, you know, before I even go on, I want to tell you a story. And I'm going to be transparent with you this morning because God has given me victory in my life. When I was a younger man, I remember actually having an issue with pornographic material. I did when I was younger. Listen, don't judge me. We can if you like. I'm free. Hallelujah. Right? So I did. I had an issue with it. And it's funny, at a certain point, you try everything and then, you know, you end up at an altar. And that was my story. I ended up at an altar because I tried everything in my own strength. You name it. Accountability software, the whole lot. Couldn't, couldn't win. So I ended up at an altar and I'm standing there as a man in my early 20s. And the pastor at the time has a prophetic word at that altar. And he said, there's a man standing here who's struggling with sexual sin. I won't lie to you. I opened my eyes and I looked around praying there was another young man at the altar. Tell me there's somebody else here. (laughs) The Lord wants you to know, the pastor went on, that he's for you and not against you. He's for you and not against you. Woman, has no man condemned you? Then neither do I. Go and sin no more. Their power to live above sin and failure is in the acceptance of God in the gospel. And God spoke to me that point. At that time, he came to me cheerfully, joyfully, lovingly at a point of brokenness and failure. It's amazing. You have not let him down. You have not let him down. He approaches you with joy. He was happy to see them. And I, I, I'm, I'm going to step into David's mind for a second. I think he was excited because he wanted to see the faces of those men when he restored to them their wives, their children, their livelihoods, their possessions, the things they had no strength to fight for. He was excited to reunite them with those things. You couldn't fight for it, but I'm going to fight for you. I'm going to bring a victory from a battlefield you never even stood on. That's the gospel. You didn't even stand on it. You were at the brook, unable to go a step further. So I went ahead of you, and I won a victory you could never win on your own. That's, that's the, yeah. What a gospel. What a gospel. Can we just give him grace right now? Give him glory. What a gospel. Hallelujah. This was the joy set before him when he endured the cross. 
not just reconciliation, man to God, but restoration. What I'm going to give back to you, not because you fought for it, not because you were strong, but because I am strong. And out of my goodness, you will all receive grace upon grace upon grace. Is your faith rising? Is your expectation of God rising right now? It should. We've limited God. We've limited him to only give us things that we have fought for, that we've believed for, that we've trusted for, as if he isn't good and able, as somehow that the victory is, that somehow then when it comes, it's because we've been good and believed for it, we can pat ourselves on the back. It's not the gospel. It's not the gospel he gives because he is good. He earns things for us we can never earn for ourselves. That's the truth. <laughs> he asked them how they were. How, how are you? Do you remember Mark 16 verse 7? The disciples run to the tomb. It's empty. Jesus has risen from the dead and a man is sitting in the tomb. This is why you're looking for the dead among the living. Go tell the disciples and Peter that I'll meet them in Jerusalem. I'm going to tell the disciples and some, some translations say, including Peter. In other words, Peter, even at your highest point of failure, you denied me three times, you dropped the ball, you failed, you capitulated. I want you to know that you're included in the inheritance I have for you. I want you in Jerusalem because I'm going to pour my spirit out on you as well, Peter. I want you, you're included. And this is the power, the comfort that we have in failure. His joy over us is our strength. Nehemiah 8.10, his joy over me. In my, in my inability is my strength. Amen. Verse 22, but there's also danger in success. Verse 22, but the evil men and the troublemakers among David's followers said, because they did not go out with us, we will not share with them uh, the plunder we recovered. However, each man may take his wife and children and go. It's funny, the words that they use here. Because they did not go out with us, we will not share with them the plunder we recovered. Hmm. You know, folks, the best of men are still only men at best. Isn't it true? I'll tell you. Even the greatest achievements in the kingdom of God are the result of a good God working through broken humanity. Can I tell you right now, with respect, there are no big or small people in the kingdom. Just a big God. Just a gracious God. Just a loving God. God is no respecter of persons. It's all about his goodness. It's all about it. It's only one name that matters in the kingdom of God. Listen, nobody's, no one's selling any books in heaven. Nobody's leading any tent revivals in heaven. Nobody's buying your CD in heaven. Nobody's talking about your ministry in heaven. There is one whose name will be lifted up in glory. It's Jesus. It's Jesus. Hallelujah for every achievement that every man of God, woman of God brings about, but sort is used to, to see manifest in the kingdom. But it's grace. Your greatest achievement is a testimony of his grace over your life. Yes. It is. I'm telling you. 
But see, our successes become dangerous when we assume that it was us and not God who brought them about. The victory we recovered. Maybe you're thinking this morning, I'm blessed, man. God is rewarding me for my faithfulness. Or maybe you're looking at a brother this morning. Oh, I don't struggle that way. God has given me a victory. (laughs) Maybe I should ask your wife about your struggles and not you. Isn't it funny? We're all at the foot of a mountain that we cannot climb. Fortunately, some of us think that because God has blessed us in a particular way, that we can tell everybody else how to get up the top of the mountain instead of crying for mercy, calling out to the God on top of the mountain to come down and rescue us. Lord, the only way I'm going up is if you come down and rescue me. Ain't nobody climbing up. Ain't nobody rising higher than anybody else. The foot of the cross is level. But this is how we get our step-based Christianity. Our 12 steps to victory. Our three things that you can do to somehow ascend to this level formula. This is this work for me. So therefore, if you do it, it'll work for you. As if somehow we can bottle grace and make it about effort. Don't touch his glory. Don't touch the glory. All good things come from above. From the father of heavenly lights. Through whom there is no shifting or variation due to change. Are you blessed this morning? Amen. Give him glory. He gave it to you. Are you blessed this morning? You're, you're breathing. He did it. He did it. Your achievements are a testimony to his goodness. Hallelujah for what he did. But success has the power to go to our heads. It does. Failure can go to our heart. Success can go to our head. If we're going to get through life, there's going to be highs and lows, successes and failures. I remember going to Universal Studios in 2014 and riding the Hulk. The Hulk is a roller coaster. I think it's about, uh, I, think the, I forget the G-force that you actually experience, your body experiences. But it was about 30 degrees on the day. And uh, I thought it'd be a really good idea to eat a big Cinnabon cinnamon roll before I went on the Hulk. Every a Cinnabon. The thing could sink the Titanic, the weight of it. So I'm eating a big Cinnabon. I'm waiting to go on this roller coaster called the Hulk. And I strap in, and, just, and the, way, the way it works is it just does this sharp incline, right? And as soon as the incline happened, I felt my stomach go out through my back. And I just thought, I'm in trouble, right? So I ride this Hulk roller coaster, extreme highs, extreme lows. And by the time I'm done, I'm, I've gone from a nice caramel macchiato color, right? <laughs> to the color of driven snow. I am sick. I am a sick puppy. I'm green. I'm as green as the Hulk. And just when I'm about to get off the roller coaster, my friend's brother comes up to me and goes, bro, I asked the guy running the roller coaster. He says, we can ride again straight away. Stay seated. (laughs) Of course, I wasn't as humble as I am now. So I said, absolutely cool. Let's do it again. So I did it again. By the time I got off the second time, let's just say I did not have my sea legs and I spent the rest of the day unable to go on. Couldn't go on another roller coaster. 
couldn't go on another ride. I couldn't brace the highs and lows, so I couldn't go forward. And folks, that, that can be the problem. When success goes to our head or failure goes to our heart, we can, it can ground us. It can. You know, be careful when things are going well. Look at the passage. The men had no mercy. They had no compassion. They were judgmental. They were unable to deal with the weaknesses of those around them. In one translation, it says that they were sons of Belial or sons of the devil. That they were, they were of a different spirit. I want to ask you this morning. I'm, I'm thankful for your successes. But are you, have you lost brotherly affection? Have you lost love for those around you who perhaps aren't quite where God has graced you to be? Have, how can you decide that the people fighting a battle you did nothing to help. So, excuse me. How can you decide that the people fighting a battle you know nothing about have no part in a victory you did nothing to help win? That's really what's going on here in this verse. In other words, I want to ask you, are you disqualifying others? I do want to sit on this for a second here. I do. Are you disqualifying others? Are you adding to a sense of their unworthiness by weighing them up against yourself, by comparing them to you, comparing their failures to your successes. If they just did what I did, they would be where I am. It's not the gospel. It's not the gospel. Paul says in Colossians 2.18, he says that you're not to be disqualified. Let no one disqualify you. People who insist on aestheticism, that's a false sense of humility. Yes. And people who worship angels, and I wondered what that meant. But actually what he's saying is it's people who, who venerate other people as mediators and, as, and, and lift up other people beyond their station. So people who, who, who they, they have false humility and they're people worshippers. Be careful that people like that don't disqualify you. That's what he's warning us about and that's what this passage is saying in verse 22 that was the spirit that these men were, were coming in but hallelujah for David's response David says in verse 23 no my brothers you must not do that with what the Lord has given us see he ties the victory back to the victor he reconnects the victory the blessing back to the source of the blessing Christ, listen, Jesus has a controversy with that sort of culture in the body. Grace must be grace. We need to let grace be grace. The foot of the cross, it's level ground. We cannot diminish the victory of Christ by making it about performance. That's what's going on here. Don't you make it about performance. Don't you make it about what you think you've earned versus what they think, but what you think that they've disqualified themselves from. My successes don't qualify me. My failures don't disqualify me. I've been qualified by another. Somebody else has qualified me. There's a victory that has made me worthy. 
come on, are you feeling unworthy this morning? Let me tell you, unhitch your sense of value from whether or not you have done things right in your eyes or the eyes of others. Someone got it right for you. Someone did this thing right for you. Jesus has qualified you. Look at what look at Colossians 1:12. Paul writes, "He, he, he has qualified me to share in the inheritance of the saints of light. Somebody else made this thing possible for me. Somebody else. I don't have to live with a low expectation of God. One based on what I have or haven't earned. I link my sense of expectation of God, not to my performance, but to His. My expectation of God, what He can bring into my life, what sort or level of resurrection I can experience, what God can restore unto me based on His performance, not mine. His faithfulness, not mine. His goodness, not mine. His, his, his intercession for me, not mine. I've heard it said one too many times that a man's only as good as his prayer life. It's wrong. A man's only as good as his prayer life. And he ever lives to make intercession for you. He's praying for you. When you can't lift up a prayer, when you can't lift up a hand, when you can't rise, when your faith can't rise, there's one standing in the gap for you. The scripture saying in Ezekiel 22, God looked for a man and found none. So he himself, he elected a man. He himself came down. His right hand extended forth to bring righteousness, to bring what we couldn't bring to him. He sent it down to us. Thank you, Jesus. Finally, the power of a gospel identity. Verse 24, who will listen to what you say? The share of the man who stayed with the supplies is to be the same as that of him who went down into the battle. Whether you've been in the baggage or in the battle, the share is the same. All will share alike. David made the statute as an ordinance for the days for, uh, for, um, of the days of Israel to this day. Maybe you're sitting here this morning and you're asking, have I lost the things I didn't fight to keep? Have I lost the things I couldn't believe for? The things I couldn't fight to keep? Listen to Isaiah 33 verse 22. For the Lord is our judge. The Lord is our lawgiver. The Lord is our king. It is he who will save us. Your riggings hang loose. The mast is not held secure. The sail is not spread. In other words, you don't have the gust of wind to keep going. You don't have what it takes to move forward. Then an abundance of spoils will be provided. And even the lame will carry off the plunder. The lame will carry off the plunder. Can we give them glory right now? If you're a lame in the house, the lame will take the prey. Achievement culture says it's the survival of the fittest. Only the gifted, only those in victory rise to the top. The gospel says even the lame will take the prey. It's the weak who take the prey. It's those who don't have strength, who God raises up to heights they could never get to on their own. 
It's the weak who take the prey. Hallelujah. He has declared it. It ain't my opinion this morning. He's declared it. There is something for you because I am faithful. Because I didn't win this salvation to keep it for myself. I did it to lift the least of you from the dirt of your humanity. To set you in the lap of divinity. The least of you from the dirt to the very heights of glory. 1 Samuel 2.8 He lifts the poor from the dust and the needy from the garbage dump. Hallelujah. He sets them among princes, placing them in seats of honour for all the earth is the Lord's. And he set the world in order. Hallelujah. Spurgeon said this, you little faiths, you despondencies, you much afraids, you feeble minds, you that sigh more than you sing. Is that you? <laughs> you that would but cannot. You that have a great heart for holiness but feel beaten back in your struggles. The Lord shall give you his love, his grace, his favour, as surely as he gives it to those who can do great things in his name. Hallelujah. 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 Jesus is the equaliser. I'm thankful for that this morning, man. He's the equaliser. The caption in the equaliser is this. (laughs) Because in the TV show, people who were in need found him through a newspaper article and the classified ad wrote, you got a problem? Are the odds against you? (laughs) Call the equaliser. You got a problem? Are the odds against you? Is it too much for you? You can't fight. You can't make it through. Call the equaliser. Call Jesus. Call on Jesus. Call on Jesus. He's the equaliser. He lifts them. He lifts us. He lifts us. You can't lift yourself. He's the lifter of our heads. You can't get up off the heap. He's the one. He's the one. He's the one. He's the equaliser. I've had a lot of cars in my life. Most of them have been lemons. They have. And I had one particular car. It was a Skoda Fabia. And I think I left the window open once and it rained because it's Ireland and it fried the electrics. Yeah, and so the back windows wouldn't go up anymore. So, like a good steward of the blessings of God in my life, I brought it straight to a mechanic and fixed it. That's not true. I um, got a bin liner and taped it over the the open window. (sighs) Around about, you know, I'd say I probably had a car, probably driving around that way for about six months. Um, And Pastor Hamp had gotten a new guitar from Pastor Barry Rogers. Do you remember that? Ibanez. Uh, And he lent it to me, right? And so I put it in the back seat one day, parked my car in town and went to ramen. When I came back, the guitar was gone. It was gone. Absolute disaster. I remember coming in on a Wednesday. My wife's laughing at me because she could get up here and keep you for another three hours and tell you more stories of my ineptitude. (laughs) I remember telling Pastor Hamp, I remember telling him, listen, that guitar you lent me, 
I lost it. I was dumb, I was stupid, failure, just failed, just made a mistake, and I lost it. And he's so gracious. It's like, it's all right. Pat, I feel a peace about it. I was like, cool, amen. I'm not going to press the issue. And weeks went on. Months went on. And one day, I was walking down North Main Street, and I felt the Holy Spirit prompt me to go into cash converters, the pawn shop. I felt a prompt from the Holy Spirit. Okay. In I go. And the guitar is hanging on the wall. It's hanging on the wall. And I pick up the guitar and I bring it to the guy behind the counter. And the first thing out of his mouth is, that's stolen, isn't it? Someone stole that, didn't they? I was like, yes. And he goes, okay, listen, um, did it come with a case? And I said, yeah, red, red velvet in the case. He goes, you mean this case? And he lifted it up and it was the case. And he said, listen, just go get a letter from the guard station and come in and collect your guitar. I thought it was lost because of my failure. Time went on. I did nothing. I, there was nothing I could do to find it. To find, what are the odds? But, 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 but God wanted it back with its owner. God wanted this thing that I lost through failure back with its owner. And so at the right time, he recovered what was lost. Because he's the equalizer. Amen. He did it. The share is the same. For those of us who stay with the baggage or those who go into battle, share is the same. My failures don't disqualify me or go to my heart. My successes don't have to qualify me or go to my head. And I can expect something back from the battle, even if I didn't fight in it myself. I wasn't on the battlefield, but somebody was fighting for me when, for what was mine that I thought was lost, for what I thought slipped through my fingers and seemed out of reach. God was fighting for it. Is there a relationship in your life that you feel is out of reach? Some relationship, maybe there's someone away from the Lord and you've done all you can. Don't think it's over. It's not over. Just because you can't fight for it anymore doesn't mean that it's over. Just because you can't believe for it anymore doesn't mean that the the story is over. There's an equalizer. Call the equalizer. He can bring it back to you. What I love about this victory of Jesus, this gospel, is that it raises us to the heavens even while humbling us to the dead. It's the answer to achievement culture. Listen to this. The doctrines of grace humble man without degrading him. Isn't that great? And exalt him without inflating him. Indeed, this is the reason why Christians must never leave the gospel behind. It simultaneously humbles and exalts. He's the equalizer, folks. Come on, listen. The gospel humbles us into the dirt and exalts us into the heavens. I am a son by an heir, by grace through faith. I am called, chosen, anointed, loved, whether I'm on top of the mountain or the mountain is on top of me. Whether I have failed or found strength to go on or whether I have fallen behind and I have no strength left, I am still a son in failure And I'm only a son in success. That's the gospel. That's Jesus. That's what he's done. It's the end of achievement culture. You're Jan and you're Marsha. You're both of them. 
When I'm defined by what he has done for me, by his achievement, I can finally be at peace with my own achievements and the achievements of others. I'll say that again. When I'm defined by what he has done for me, by his achievements, I can finally be at peace with my own achievements and the achievements of those around me. Look at Acts 20, verse 32. Paul said this, And now I entrust to you, God, and the message of his grace, the gospel, that is able to build you up and give you an inheritance with all those he has set apart for himself. The word of his grace, and that term build up means to build like a house or conform. Folks, we need to visit the gospel again. We need to come back to the gospel in our failures and in our successes. Back to the one who went to battle when we couldn't to bring into our lives the things that we thought were lost. That's who he is. Let the gospel shape your life. Let the gospel be the root of your, of your identity. That's your sense of worth and purpose in life. And you will brace the highs and the lows and you will go forward. I want to end by looking at two brothers. We know the passage so well. It's Luke chapter 15. I'm not going to read it. We know it well. There's two prodigals in the story. Two prodigals. We've got one that doesn't believe he has the rights of a son because of failure. And the other can't see that he's got the rights of a son because he's working for what he already has. One is a victim of failure. The other is a victim of achievement and success. Both of them are lost. Both are lost. But look at the father. Look at how the father works. With the son in failure, he comes and he embraces There's a touch this morning for you if you're in failure. The Father wants to come and touch you. He wants to come and give you an inheritance. His inheritance is a scandal of grace this morning. When you blew your own inheritance, he came and gave you his. What? That's the gospel. Jesus comes. God, the Father runs to the Son. We're going to hear a wonderful sermon by Isaac Ward next week. This way he can't get out of it because I've named him about this, about this passage. But the father comes and to the one in failure, he puts his robe around him, sandals on his feet, that signet ring on his hand. There's a touch for you this morning if, you, if, if there's failure going on. And for the other son who's out in the field, who's offended by grace, who's living out in success and, and, and can't see that he's a son, there's a word Because the father turns to the son and says, listen to me, all that I have is yours. You're upset about a goat? It's all yours anyway. So there's a word for you. There's a reminder for you this morning to go back to sonship. I want to leave you with this thought. While the other brother in that story was offended at the inheritance, the prodigal, the failure was getting, there was another brother There's another brother who's happy to share his inheritance. There's another brother, big brother, and his name is Jesus. And he rejoices and his heart is filled with gladness when when those who can't rise up are received again into the house of the Father. 
there's another older brother in the story. Hallelujah. And his name is Jesus. God help us this morning to find our footing on the gospel. So we don't get too high or too low. So that the peace of sonship can guard our heart and our mind in Christ Jesus. Glory to God this morning. Praise the Lord. Pastor Stephen G. Thank you for tuning in with us today. Make sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Cork Church. Also, make sure to like and subscribe to our YouTube channel. If you have any questions, you can email us info at corkchurch.com or just check out our website. It's www.corkchurch.com. Again, thank you for tuning in and we will see you next time.